Father, we thank you for your word that goes forth this morning, that is like a two-edged sword, as your word said, and that it pierces into our heart between our bone and marrow and brings life and transformation. We thank you for your anointing upon Eric, Lord, as he speaks on the book of Acts, Lord. And we thank you that everything that you have purposed this morning through your word will come to pass, Lord. We're excited, we're full of joy and expectation. We thank you for Eric and Kayla for their lives, the blessing they are to us, Lord. And we thank you that Eric will just have peace and a great time when he speaks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So we're in the book of Acts. Has, uh, have people been keeping up with the Raptors, our good old Raptors? Yes. <laughs> They're playing tonight. Um, so Alessandro, the guy in the muscles out he, up here, um, <laughs> he came back from a trip from Cuba. That's why he's all golden. And um, we have a group chat, uh, just a couple of us guys here. And John, the guy next to him, sends uh, a highlight video of Kawhi Leonard. If you don't know who Kawhi Leonard is, he's like the superstar on the Raptors, hitting the Game 7 winning shot. It was an incredible moment. Alessandro's response to the highlight video was, is that how we got through? Like, in shock, because he was in Cuba, he didn't actually see how it happened, he just heard about it. And Eros's response, uh, my brother over there, he goes, it was the claw, the claw, <laughs> that's the nickname. <laughs> it's like the claw, it's the nickname for Kawhi Leonard. He's a monster of a guy, but he's got bigger hands than he should have for his body. So his nickname is The Claw. So Eros' response was, The Claw got us through. He got it over the guy with such a big head. Um, the reason I'm bringing that up is because the book of Acts is, like the, is, I believe, the greatest highlight reel in history. This is Luke, uh, a doctor, writing to Theophilus. We'll read about it, uh, read about it in a little bit. But it's a history, it's a history book where they're ta- Luke is taking highlight videos, highlight moments, like, a, like if you're making a family album at home, you're taking the best moments to give to the people. And this is what we're going to see in the book of Acts, just unbelievable moments that we should be looking at and saying, is that how they got through? How did this actually happen? And our response is, not the claw, but the Holy Spirit, but Jesus got them through. Some highlights, previews, trailers, or teasers for this book. We're going to learn or read about earthquakes, shipwrecks, avenging angels, traumatic escapes, riots, murder plots, and political drama. This book is filled with things that it should just make our minds go, how is that even possible? Right? Whatever news channel you tune into, guarantee you they would have had a rough time keeping up with everything. Okay? So... Normally, you'll hear people speak about the book of Acts like it's the Acts of the Apostles. And for me, that's very misleading. Very misleading. Because in 2 Chronicles 16.9, this is the Old Testament, it says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout, so move around the world, throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. The book of Acts as we will see, is the book of the acts of God, the books of the acts of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus working through these people. God, Jesus, after he resurrected from the dead, which is incredible, which we will see a, 
uh, in the book of Acts. He wasn't sitting behind a desk in the temple and saying help wanted or help needed or I need people to sign up for war or I need people to sign up for a job. That's not what Jesus was doing. Jesus, in fact, was saying, I'm, I'm going to show you your way home. He was saying to people, come follow me. Death did not hold me down. Come follow me. Let me show you the room I prepared for you in my father's house. And what we're going to see throughout this book is that as the love of God works through people's lives, the love of the world goes weirdly dim. Because the, the people are meeting the true love of their life. The one true God of this world. There's a story in Acts chapter 17. Way ahead, I'll let Yaku preach on it. <laughs> but way ahead in Acts chapter 17, Paul is walking around on one of his missionary trips. Missions, book of Acts, you'll read about it. He's going on one of his missionary trips, and he gets to a city of Athens. And he's walking around this city, and he's seeing all of these beautiful things. Beautiful things in man's eyes. And he gets like a, um, like a platform to speak in front of the leaders of this city. And this is what he says to them. So Paul, this is Acts chapter 17. So Paul stood in the middle of the leadership council and said, Respected leaders of Athens, it is clear to me how extravagant you are in your worship of idols. For as I walk through your city, I was captivated by the many shrines and objects of your worship. I even found an inscription on one altar that read, To the unknown God. I have come to introduce you to this God whom you worship. Without even knowing anything about him. And he says, the true God is the creator of all things. He is the owner and Lord of the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. He doesn't live in man-made temples. He supplies life and breath and all things to the every living being. He gives that bird that sound. He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him. For he has all things and everything he needs. From one man, from one man, Adam, he made every man and woman in every race of humanity. And he spread us all over all the earth. He sets the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. He has done this so that every person would long for God. Feel their way to him and find him. For he is the God who is easy to discover. It is through him that we live and function and have our identity, just as your own poets, Paul is saying, your own poets have said our lineage comes from him. And this book of Acts is going to tell us about this one true God. It's going to tell us beautiful things about our Father in heaven, about our Son, his Son that he freely gave for out of love, and his Spirit as a gift to always be with us. So some fun facts. There's 28 chapters in this book of Acts. 
and the, the, the Holy Spirit or the name of Jesus will be referenced or talked about or, or revealed over 40 times in this book. So you could imagine in every chapter there's at least one reference to the Holy Spirit doing something, to the name of Jesus being revealed to someone. And this book, Acts, is a second volume. So it's, it's Luke writing two pieces of work. He first wrote the Gospel of Luke, and now he's writing this book of Acts to the same person, Theophilus. And in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, he says, And as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. So he's saying a lot of people, this is in the Gospel of Luke, he's saying a lot of people have taken the time to compile things to tell you about what I'm about to tell you. But he says, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, these gospels, it seemed good to me, to, to Luke also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Interesting, so interesting that God would use Luke, a non-Jewish person who's a doctor, to write about these miracles that are about to happen in Acts. God has a sense of humor. He's using a doctor to say these things. And he's writing to Theophilus. Theophilus, one of his friends, scholars don't know too much about him. He was very educated. Luke is very educated in the way he writes. But his name in Greek actually means friend of God or lover of God. Now, he's writing to this friend of God or lover of God that he may have certainty concerning the things he has been taught. He's heard of the name of Jesus, but Luke is writing so that he may have certainty of those things. right? And this is needed for us today. We need certainty every single day of the things we have been taught about Jesus. There's never a time where we don't need to have certainty about the things we believe in or to be reminded about the things we believe in. So it's very fitting that Luke is giving him not just one work of Jesus, but a continued work of Jesus. And he can have certainty in both of these things that, you were gonna, that you'll read about in Acts and you can read about in Luke. And this certainty, our faith is not a faith that we cross our fingers and hope for the best, that we subscribe to the best ideals or the best teaching. That's not our faith. It's a certain faith and confident faith that God promised us. And if we're thinking, but that's not common sense, you're absolutely right, it's not common sense, because God actually tells us in the Bible, his ways are not our ways. <laughs> it's, it's not common sense. Living our life out of faith usually will not be about common sense. So, we'll jump into Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So he's going to summarize what he did in the first book, which is Luke, uh, the Gospel of Luke. So verse 2, until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. So after his suffering is after the cross, after he died, he, he provided many proofs to them. It's a miracle. He came out of the, the tomb and provided many proofs to many people over 40 days. This is incredible. Appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. (laughs) 
And this word in the first uh, in the first verse, I have dealt where he says, I have dealt in the first book, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Meaning what he's about to tell us in, in Acts is what Jesus continued to do and teach. Jesus died at the end of Luke's gospel, was resurrected, and he continued to do things. And this is what Luke is writing to Theophilus about. You've got to hear this story. It actually didn't end in Jesus dying. It continued. This is incredible stuff. Yes, so verse 4. And while staying with them, uh, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus appeared to many people, and he's gathering with his disciples, he's eating with his disciples, he's drinking with his disciples, he's teaching people, and, and walking through walls and disappearing and, and reappearing. Like, this is, this is absolutely incredible. And Jesus says to them, you've got to wait in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere from Jerusalem. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him. So Jesus has spent 40 days teaching them about the kingdom of God. Okay? Lord, will you, and this is the disciples asking him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Here we go. Jesus is spending 40 days with his disciples, guys. Okay? He's resurrected from the dead, and he's not a spirit man. He is a body, living flesh resurrected, glorified body. And he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. And now you could imagine the disciples just like, if I'm the disciple, I'm in shock. Like this is 40 days of absolute, uh, some sort of high, okay? Absolute high. And the disciples are like, wow, everything is going great. We suffered a lot, but this is, this is even more than we could ever expect. And I could picture them like nudging Peter or nudging John, one of the guys, and going, you've got to ask him. He's resurrected from the dead. Nothing can hold us back. You've got to ask him the question. What's the question the disciples ask him? Lord, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? And it's almost like Jesus is like, guys, please don't leave Jerusalem because you guys still don't get it. It is not about this national pride. Don't leave Jerusalem. You need the spirit. That's the way I see this. Right? And what's the, what's the reason for receiving the Holy Spirit, for being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, to be his witnesses, Judea, Samaria, and to all of the earth? We're sitting here in 2019 in this beautiful building in Canada, Milton, because the disciples actually fulfilled what God asked them to do. They obeyed what God asked them to do. And Josh White, uh, pastor of uh, church, Door of Hope, He says, if the church is not witnessing for the things of God, we are not functioning as the church. Okay? Witnessing. I had, uh, I was involved in a little car accident. It wasn't my fault. Okay? Just to let you guys know. Was not my fault. Never is. Never is. You hear what Yaku said? It wasn't. I was there. This is my example of witnessing. I'm in a car, we're going, uh, it was Kayla, uh, Kath, Yaku, and myself, we're having a blast, and we're going down to a conference in Toronto, real early in the morning, um, and we're just, I'm driving, uh, anyways, and out of nowhere, 
all I feel is the car being, like, being, I'm no longer in control of this car, and Kath is screaming, we're going to die! We're going to (laughs) die! That's a joke, I'm sorry, that's a joke. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. It was, it was, it was, it was actually pretty scary, but she didn't say that. She just always says that, so. Anyways. On the ride back, point of the story, on the ride back, I was kind of like, man, that, that sucks. I've never been in an accident. Was it my fault? What did I do? Blah, blah, blah. The, the guy that hit us seemed like a nice guy. Uh, ended up being not such a nice guy. But anyways, uh, we're driving home, and Yaku, he, I guess he can see me that I'm pretty like intense in my driving home now because I'm just making sure nobody's around us anymore. And Yaku says... Eric, don't worry, you didn't do anything wrong, okay? And all three of them could agree to that. I didn't feel that way, but Yaku witnessed the event and spoke to me about the event and put something inside of me for that event so that for when the insurance claim came three months after to tell me about the certainty of the things that had happened, I knew the witness And I got the word from the witness, and I know the certainty of the word. So I told my insurance claim, listen, you have to make this right. Because I know, and I know, and I know what the witnesses told me. Even though you will not accept those witnesses, I know the witnesses. Okay? And this is the point of our lives, to be witnesses for the things we are certain about. And encourage each other about those things. Needless to say, I was not at fault, okay? The insurance claim came back, said not at fault. So thank you, God, and thank you, Yaku. <laughs> right? And being a witness of Jesus should not be a burden to us. It should be something, like Kath said, it should be something freeing for us because we know what God has done in our lives freely. So we should freely try and give it to other people or show other people and point other people to the miracles around us each day that point to God. And those people worship those things without knowing the name of God. It's, 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 it's part of our lifestyle following Jesus to be his witness. Alessandro, when I was in college in New York, Alessandro called me and uh, Eros one day over iPods. iPods used to have, uh, uh, they still do. No, it's not FaceTime. Anyways, they still do. Anyways, um, so he called us, and he never, he would, he would call us, but very rare would he call us while we were in New York. So um, we got this phone call, and right away you can tell he had something to tell me in Arrow. So we, we got together in my room, and we sat there, and Alessandro told us this experience he had with a guy at a mall. And this guy at a mall literally witnessed to Alessandro about the truthfulness and the love of God. It was a guy whose heart was completely submitted to the things of God and where God and the Spirit of God was leading him to, to speak to someone. And I remember getting off that call and I looked at Eros and we both looked at each other and we're like, that's not Alessandro. To me, Alessandro was literally shining off that iPhone.
And we will face opposition while we do this. We will face people that don't want to hear a thing about it. We will have those things because Jesus faced opposition in his life. The disciples faced opposition, and we'll see in the book of Acts, the opposition that they faced. But God works everything out for the good of those who love him. We will see about opposition. A a person called Stephen who will get stoned to death for the things he was preaching about God. And they, the, the disciples of Jesus at that point were scared and scattered out of Jerusalem. Could you guess where they went to? Judea and Samaria, just like Jesus told them, you will be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all of the earth. It's incredible what God will do through your life. So verse 9, when, he said, when Jesus had said these things, they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And they were gazing into heaven as he went. And behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called, called Olivets, Olivets, Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. Glorious moment, absolutely glorious moment. And we can have certainty about the glorious moment because Luke is giving us a whole account of certain things, things that have certainty behind them so we can believe what is happening here. And it's a glorious moment. But what I want to zone into is the place that it happened at. Verse 12 tells us that they returned to Jerusalem from the mountain, Mount of Olives or Mount called Olivet. Okay, so that's, we can assume that that's where they were coming from. And for me, that is such a statement for Jesus to do that in that place. In the, in the Mount of Olives, it is, it's known that the Garden of Gethsemane was in and around that area. Okay? Garden of Gethsemane for the disciples was the point where everything went wrong for them. Everything. It's the point where they betrayed Jesus. fell asleep when he was asking them to pray with him. It's where he was arrested. It's where the suffering would start. It was like Jesus was taking them back to the crime scene, the dark area. But Jesus redeems every brokenness. He's lifted up to go to the right hand of the Father in power from a place that is known for, for the total opposite. In the same area, it's historically known that this was a Jewish cemetery. From a place of death, Jesus is rising to heaven to show them, I boast in this place. And like Jimmy and Gina's word two weeks ago to Yaku and Kat, Jesus doesn't hide the brokenness. He doesn't hide what happened in that place. He boasts in it. He redeems that place. And if you look back at your life, I guarantee you Jesus will redeem those places in your life. And without a shadow of a doubt, if it doesn't happen in this life, it'll happen when he returns, like those two men in white robes said. He is going to return in the same way. In verse 13 
They went back to Jerusalem, and it says, When they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Verse 15, in those days Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. And said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and failed... Falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. Gory scene. Uh, Judas was the one that betrayed Jesus, and it's just uh, explaining that he hung himself after this. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. So Judas, with the money that the high priests and the, the, the leadership of Israel at that point, the money that they gave Judas to do this, Judas had bought a land. So Peter's bringing this up. And Peter says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So Peter's looking at all of Scripture now and seeing that from, well, from Genesis all the way through, it's pointing to Jesus now. And he's, 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 he's pointing to this psalm that's saying, if, if the psalmist can say this about someone who betrayed him, so if it's King David who wrote this psalm and said, this person betrayed me, let his place become desolate and let someone fill his office. If David can say that about someone who betrayed him, how much more someone who betrayed Jesus? This has to become fulfilled for us. And that's what Peter's saying. Let another take his office. Someone needs to take the place of Judas and as the 12 eyewitnesses of what had happened. Verse 21. So one of the men who accompanied us during all the time, so they're going to pick someone to, to fill in for Judas. So one of the men who, ha, who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they, and they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in his ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. I'm positive both of these guys were good guys. Absolutely positive. Guys, this is a perfect example for me, what uh, Jimmy was speaking about two weeks ago again, of the perfect combination of someone living in faith and living in wisdom. Peter sees something in faith that this, this twelfth eyewitness, this twelfth apostle needs to be Filled, his space needs to be filled because scripture says so, but we're not going to decide for ourselves. We're, we're going to look to God, for he says, you Lord who know the hearts of all, we're going to look to God to be our wisdom. We're going to look to God to make this decision for us. In our life, it's not always about 
making a decision and asking God to bless that decision. He does. He will sometimes. But it's, it's, it's from a place in this example of before I make this decision, God, you know my heart. You know the, the situation. You know everything, Father. Show me which way to take and listen for God. And a beautiful part of this is that it tells us that everyone is in this upper room devoted to prayer. Not just the disciples, but everyone. Women and everyone is praying with one accord, with one heart, with one mind, waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, waiting for God to move. We are called to pray for others. We are called to encourage others. We are called to serve others, not just ourselves. Our faith, uh, this life following Jesus is not... We meditate each day, okay? And someone comes and asks us a question. I'm with God. You know what I mean? We are called to pray for others. I need it. We need it. You need it. Pray for others. Encourage others. And the number 12 is very important for the Jewish people. It represents the 12 tribes of Israel, okay? It's, it's, it's a fulfillment of Scripture for them that at all times, there was a, a people that no matter what was going on around in the world, there was always a people that God was using to reach the world. And Peter's just seeing that we need to have our 12 because that's what Jesus chose. He chose 12 people to reach everything. And casting lots. Some of us should be saying, but Eric, casting lots? What are we talking about here? Are we like throwing dice or like little voodoo bones and stuff like that? Well, <laughs> it is weird, but... Very interestingly, very interestingly, in First Chronicles, again, Old Testament, chapter 24, casting lots was used by King David to do what? To divide the duties and the people for the priestly duties. So David was, building, was, was, was helping the, the nation do certain aspects of worship, of priestly duties, and he was casting lots for God to answer the prayers of who was going to do what. And again, in, in Chronicles 25, he does the same thing for the worship team. So he was casting lots to see who God was choosing to worship. So interesting that this Acts, this book of Acts, is going to speak to us about the birthing of the church of Jesus, the birthing of the family of Jesus, of the people of Jesus. And Peter is saying, we need to look to God to show us who's going to become, who he's choosing to, be, to begin this work of God, just like King David did in the Old Testament. And if you remember, if you remember, we just went through the Gospel of Matthew, and there was an... Remember when Jesus says, I give you the, um, the example of Jonah? Whoever read the book, uh, has read the book. I'll give you the example of Jonah. The sailors that Jonah hopped in the boat with cast lots to their God to find out which God is responsible. So my God, is it your God? Is it your God? Is it your God? And God answered their casting of lots to show them it's Jonah, guys. You've got to deal with Jonah, because that's the one true God. <laughs> right? So, that's, uh, that's the example. It's wisdom, it's faith, it's looking to God and trusting his decision. So, as we go through the book of Acts, I want to encourage all of us to read through it. If you can't read through it in one, two, three sittings, read ahead for the next week. Be encouraged, and at the same time, we're going to be challenged, but be encouraged that the faith that we see in the disciples in the book of Acts is the same faith we have in our lives, that we have in our hearts. The same Jesus that asked them and, and led them and they obeyed is the same Jesus we follow today. 
the book of Acts goes through a span of 30 years. And these disciples accomplished from Jerusalem to the ends of their known world, which was the city of Rome. They, they spread the gospel through all of that. They accomplished that in 30 years. Imagine what we could accomplish following God, listening to God, and preparing our hearts for the things that God is leading us into. Could we imagine 30 years from now? G.K. Chesterton said this, Christianity has not been tried and left wanting, but found difficult and left untried. And I will add, it's only difficult because we don't wait on God. We don't, we, a car needs to stop at a gas station to fill up. We need to stop with God to fill up. It only becomes difficult when we don't fill ourselves up, when we don't become certain of the things that are in front of us, when we don't encourage each other. He's going to take us from glory to glory. He will take your life from glory to glory. What he started in the disciples of Acts, he's going to finish and continue to do in our lives. Like Kat said, he's the author of our faith, but he's also the perfecter of our faith. He's not going to leave us alone in this. And if we don't see it yet, you will see it. I declare that you will see it. It will be beautiful when we see our king face to face. It's beautiful when we see our king working in people's lives and hearing about what he's doing in people's lives. The book of Acts, at the end of the day, is a grand story. Like the whole Bible, it's a whole story of God's victory for us and God inviting us into this journey with him for all of our lives. And I'll end with this. Psalm 27, verse 14. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. And yes, keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. Father, thank you for the work that you did through Loose Life, providing us with these eyewitness accounts, these, these things filled with certainty, filled with faith, filled with your wisdom, God. May we wait on you through these weeks, these months as we go through the book of Acts. May we wait on you and hear your voice to lead us to reach the ends of the earth today, Father. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your spirit, the gift of your spirit and the gift of your word that never leaves us, that always provides for us, that always takes care of us. Thank you, Jesus, and help the Raptors win. Amen.